Friends, welcome to the Slaking Thirst podcast, where you'll find the homilies, talks, and reflections of Father Ryan Mann and Father Patrick Schultz of the Diocese of Cleveland. Slaking Thirst is all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, which is also a divine heart, seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts will meet and both thirsts will be slaked. Thanks for joining us on the journey into Christ's desire for us. This weekend, as a uh, country, we're going to be celebrating Memorial Day. It's kind of the start of the summer, traditionally, as we think of it. And obviously, it's where we remember our country, the fallen veterans, and those veterans who are still with us, who served heroically. And whenever you kind of remember the veterans, or you've ever been at a military funeral, there's a certain dignity and a certain almost haunting beauty to the music, to the uniforms, to the rituals, to the memories. There's a certain reverence that's commanded as we remember them. And and rightfully so, they give up their life for so many things. And so often that kind of dignity, awe, and reverence that we have for them, it kind of goes away when we start talking about things of God. And it's not always our fault. I mean, Basically, God's invisible, and so it's kind of harder to remember these things. Also, we come to church, most of us, for one hour a week where we had family members around us that we called and talked to often. So it's not like we're simply bad people, and that's why we don't have the same reverence for God. Sometimes it's harder to stay locked into invisible realities that are divine and above our minds. But all the more, then, do we need to lean in to the things of God, because the truth is, we so quickly can forget him. In fact, if you ever knew of what the prayer called the Angelus, church bells were kind of created in many ways for the Angelus eventually. 6 a.m., noon, and 6 p.m., there would be bells that rang, and you would stop, and you would pray a prayer to the Blessed Mother at 6 a.m., noon, and 6 p.m. Why? Because we knew as we got working and busy with the day, we had a tendency to forget God. Priests, nuns, religious, bishops, cardinals, popes, deacons, we make a promise to pray something called the liturgy of the hours. As a priest, it's five times a day you stop and pray. It's not a whole hour, it's just the hour of a day you're going to stop, pray the Psalms, recollect, and get focused on God. Why? Well, partially because we're entrusted with the duty of sanctifying the church. So in your name, we go before God and ask him to release his grace. But also because, ordained or not, we have a tendency to forget God. So when we have special feast days in the church, like Holy Trinity Sunday, it's meant to take the mystery of God and his plan for humanity and highlight an aspect of it as a way of remembering something lovable. The hope is that our affections are moved towards God with awe and openness. And when at Mass, we enter more deeply into the transforming power of the prayer. Mass isn't just meant to be a conscience cleanser, right? So like you go the rest of your day, you're like, well, at least I knew I did one thing right. All right, that's like the entrance way. There's so much more. 
So, with the time I have, I'd like to kind of help us maybe enter one sliver of the mystery known as the Trinity. And I want to begin with this. I have, a, I have a really good group of friends. They're five couples about my own age, and all of them have a bunch of kids. I think the smallest family's, uh, well, she's pregnant with her fifth. So when they get together, uh, it's, just, it's just real life happening everywhere, okay? And the crying, the screaming, the happiness, the laughter, people eating, you know, kids biting the end of your hot dog while you're eating it, like, that was mine, all the things that happen, all right? Don't drink that, that's a beer. Things like that, all right? <laughs> This is what you'll hear a lot in the other room with kids. And you'll know this a lot. Hey, that's mine. You'll hear that all the time. Hey, that's mine. And you walk into the room and what you notice is one kid was playing with a toy. And in the corner is a pile of a million toys. Another kid came into the room and didn't want the pile of a million toys. He wanted the one toy that that kid was playing with. And so he went and grabbed it. And now you have these two kids in a fight. All right? Hey, that's mine. I had it first. It's mine to begin with. And then usually a bigger, stronger parent comes in. And what do we do? We show that we're bigger and stronger than three-year-olds. Ooh. All right? And we rip the toy out of both of their hands and say, then no one's getting it. And we think, that's great parenting. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're tired and busy and we don't want to hear it anymore, right? That's why we sent the kids out today, so I could talk. <laughs> but see, we think it's so normal. We think that so much of our identity, it's just life. Just the way things happen. So much of our identity is formed on rival, competitive, get yours, over and against another. That's mine. You don't get that. Or I want what you have, so somehow I have to steal it and get it from you. And yes, psychologists, this can live in us for their whole life. I was never the favorite. Or, oh, I, my brother was the golden boy. Right? Built into that is I was ignored and not loved as much. And these form our identities and our ways of relating to people. What we celebrate today in the mystery of the Trinity is that this is not how God relates and lives, and it's not how he created us in the beginning. Jesus said often when he was on earth and asked questions, he said, in the beginning it was not so. He says this not to be like, wouldn't it be nice if we were still in the Garden of Eden? He's doing this because he wants to let us know something. He has the power to redeem us. He can heal us. In fact, the catechism of the Catholic Church, the official teaching of the church, is that Jesus came to redeem us to the purity of our origins. Which means the Garden of Eden may be lost, but not for good. We can really regain some of its beauty. So what we see is that within the Trinity, Jesus is never trying to define himself against the Father, but rather the Father and the Son love each other. They are not defined in rival, in grasping, in contempt, in proving. 
but rather out of self-giving love and surrender to one another. Adam and Eve, before there was sin in the world, trusted in their hearts that the Father would provide everything they needed. Now, when we hear that, we sometimes think of basic needs, or in this past year, we would say what's essential. But the human heart knows that what's essential is beauty, meaning, adventure, love, life. All of those, Adam and Eve believed the Father would provide even a life full of that. It wasn't until the devil came and said, that father who you're trusting isn't a father at all. He's holding out on you. And what was born in their heart was doubt. And now they had to get theirs. They quite literally had to grasp at the apple to fulfill the desires and hungers of their heart. Cue the rest of humanity. So when Jesus comes... He's embodying a whole other way of being. Jesus was showing what it's like to be free. He trusted and knew. See, he came to reveal knowledge of the Father. He said, the Father is so faithful, so committed, so in love with you sinful creatures, as we are, we're rebellious and make mistakes in thought, word, and deed all the time. He still loves you so much, he's not holding out on you. He's not trying to get something from you so that he can be glorified at your expense. And nor do you have to try to steal happiness apart from the Father. He sees your longings. He knows the pain. He knows your story. He knows when your older sibling stole that toy from you. In the beginning, it was not so. And so we hear in the gospel today, Jesus say, baptize everyone in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The word baptism, yes, means pour water on them, but it also means immerse. The Greek word means to immerse. And yes, we used to do full immersion baptisms where people were all the way underwater. But see, that was meant to be a poetic gesture It was really happening, but also a poetic gesture of we're meant to swim in the love of the Trinity. Father, that kind of love sounds really great, but that's never going to happen. If Jesus wasn't real, you're right. But if he was real and he lived and moved and took on flesh, it means he brought into the human condition the gracious love of the Father. And when he sent the Holy Spirit upon the church, it means the love of God is alive in the church. And we actually have access to that lavish, tender, attentive love. We aren't orphans. We don't have to make it up on our own. The cause of the Big Bang, the creator of the stars, the Lord of heaven and earth, says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I want to fill those places in you that are so deformed by a world of rivalry and tension and division that discovering a freely given love 
you could be set free and become who you were created to be. This is what marriage is hopefully going to embody for the world one day, again, by the grace of Jesus, of a self-giving love that doesn't repel itself when it's hurt, but all the more pours itself out and says, I'm not going anywhere. Let's find out what's wrong in our hearts so we can get healing. In baptism and confirmation, we've been immersed into this love. And this is why the Mass is an obligation. The church has the obligation coming back next week because you are obliged to participate in God's life and love and not lessen your dignity. We make that obligation because we think so highly of you, not so little of you. We think you're the kind of man or woman that wants to be touched by God. We think you're the kind of man and woman that needs divine love and needs the reminders of joining in God's family, of hearing his love letters called the scriptures, and then joining the angels and saints in praising our Father and then being nourished by him in the Eucharist so that all the lies and deforming of our hearts that takes place in a broken world can be healed and renewed and we begin to witness to a different way of being human, one that resonates because we're all made of the same stuff. But all of us keep thinking we got to steal our toy to be happy. And so the mystery of Holy Trinity Sunday is, yes, we contemplate its perfection and fullness in God himself, but God didn't stay up in heaven. He sent his son, and he walked this earth. This son that we finally are seeing today, not yesterday, that was the same son that tanned the skin of the Son of God. And then he breathed his Holy Spirit so the church wouldn't simply be an organization, but a mystical organism, alive with God. And as we stop and just savor for a few moments, that on this Sunday and every Sunday, we are the holy assembly. Eight billion people in the world, you and I in our brokenness and confusion, we've been invited and called into this holy assembly to savor that. And then to be in awe that the invisible God does in fact become visible and asks for us to be in awe, to have the reverence and dignity. That's why we use gold vessels. That's why we worship with marble. That's why we gather in a church with beautiful stained glass. So that as we remember with dignity, awe, and gratitude, the veterans, we also remember a God who didn't need to die but died for us and rose again to say, I've already done the transforming work. Come, let the Holy Spirit adopt you anew today and join my divine family. You matter to God. You now matter also to us.